Our podcast is brought to you by Anchor. If you have not heard about Anchor, it is the easier way to make a podcast. It's free, and they give you great tools and resources. Download the free Anchor app on your phone, or go to anchor.fm to get started. A-N-C-H-O-R. That's Anchor. That's Anchor. Hey guys, welcome to Hoops R Us. It's your host Xander, and today this is a special episode that I've had in mind for some time. Every time I talk to my dad and his friends, they always tell me how the NBA was back in the days. Supposedly, it was tougher than it is today on the court since they changed the rules and made it easier to score a basket. I am also going to get into how life as an NBA superstar has changed off the court. On this episode, my special guest Alcedo is going to get into some details around social media, branding, and what consists of the modern-day athlete. Yes. Mm-hmm. I've been looking forward to this conversation, man. When your father reached out to me, he was like, yo, it's your turn. And I was like, oh, man. I saw the talking, <laughs> yeah. I saw the talking point, and I was like, all right, this is definitely something that I'm definitely looking forward to. So what's up, man? I'm here for you. So stay tuned for an awesome episode of Hoops R Us. Oh yeah, so you ready or um, I, I, I I I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. Alrighty. Um all right, well let me just pull up my notes real quick. Oh my man got notes. <laughs> my man is prepared. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Good, as you should be. Well, hey I'll say though, um welcome to Hoops R Us. Uh we're not gonna take I'm not gonna take it easy on you, so don't be here for like a little agreement okay so we're gonna have okay. a lot of disagreements here okay All so right. uh, uh, i'm ready man thank you for the invite and uh looking forward to that conversation bring bring your best and i promise that i will try to bring mine okay okay i see yeah. you with the competition i see you mm-hmm, i see mm-hmm, mm-hmm. all right all right well let's get into our first topic then let's go for it so our first topic it's going to be athleticism. Mm-hmm. So, for example, it's going to be like, compare a Michael Jordan to like a oh. LeBron James right now. Okay. Okay. So, Lord, uh, let me just say my opinion real quick. Okay. I think today, the mm-hmm. players are faster and stronger than back in the day. They're more Sh- built like LeBron and, mm-hmm. you know. Because Michael Jordan did not have a body like LeBron James or like a Zion Williamson or like a Giannis or, you know, like, I think we're faster as well because you guys, you have guys like Russell Westbrook, who, who's like faster than him back in the day? Like, so I think mm-hmm. we have faster and stronger players. I even saw an article on NBC Sports that they said the athletes today are faster and stronger. I, I I agree with you, right? And and that's why sometimes it, it I'm I'm left baffled sometimes when people say, Oh, you know, the athletes today couldn't compete with the athletes of like the eighties and the nineties. I find that to be so confusing when people say that because I'm like, their athletic abilities alone will have them compete. I mean, 
if you look at the athletes of 20 years ago to today, completely different, right? We're, we're, mm-hmm. we're, we're talking about athletes that now take their trainers, their personal trainers on the road, right? So they have like their personal athletes, they have their dietitians, they have their mind coach, as crazy as it sounds, like they have their sports psychologists travel with them. So it's, it's like a, a 360 kind of whole situation where they bring their whole team on the road with them. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And, and sometimes, you know, yes, we love to talk about Jordan. We love to talk about like how great he was, but Jordan did not come into the league being the monster that he turned into. He had to build into that. Right. If we're looking at mm-hmm. like the bad, the bad boy Pistons, they beat him up to the point where he had to go get a trainer himself. Like, over the over the offseason, Tim Grover, it's been, it's it's on record. Like he told Tim Grover, I need to be able to beat the Pistons, and Tim Grover turned them into an animal, right? So um imagine LeBron James going against the Pistons back in the in in in, in the late eighties, early nineties. LeBron would have ran laps over James uh uh Lambeer. He would have sunned Isaiah Thomas. He probably would have ran circles around Joe Dumars. Come on, man. Stop it. And then, and I'm not even just talking about LeBron, but I'm talking about like KD, uh, your, your top, top, top five players of the league, in the league right now would probably dominate, dominate the league back in the early 90s. I mean, completely dominate. But what is the point right now, mm-hmm. since they're faster and stronger, right? What's the point? Because they flop. <laughs> You got LeBron over here flopping, so imagine him going against those Pistons. He wouldn't even survive. One thing, one thing is surviving, and the other thing is just being athletically better than everybody else, right? I think that the reason why, uh, like, Jordan really, really started coming into his own and, and really started to win rings, not only because of, you know, Pippen, role and the team that the the in uh, the team that he had around him, but it was also because he became stronger, right? It was also because he was tougher. That's how he was able to last a whole season. Um, you know, if we remember uh, 90, 89, 88, 87, you know, Jordan was getting bounced out of the playoffs rather early, right? And a lot of the times people were just focusing on Jordan. And, you know, Jordan, he's a great specimen. He's a physical freak. Right up back then, but you're talking about LeBron flopping. Everybody flops in the NBA now because the NBA is soft, right? And and I think that you you adjust to how the game is being called. Um, back when LeBron came into the league, the only one that was really really flopping was Vladi Divac, and that he was like really coming out of the league at that time. And there were a couple of other guys that were flopping, but when LeBron came into the league in 03, there was really no flopping going around. It was just like, here you go, and they were roughing him up. I mean, that Detroit series, when he went crazy in the fourth quarter, they were not giving him no layups. He was he had to earn those. So I think that the the, the whole uh, situation of, of, like, players flopping now is because of the way that the game is being called. Um, refs, I think they call the whistle a little too fast, and they're going to want to get the advantage. 
right? Uh, any team is going to want to get the advantage. So if they can draw an extra foul and put the team in the penalty, well, yo, I'll flop and I'll see if I can get away with it. And if I don't, oh, well. But if I got a team in the penalty and now I'm going to shoot a bonus every single time I get fouled, then so be it. Well, my point exactly, because mm-hmm. back in the day, well, now they actually created a rule, like when you're guarding the player, mm-hmm. you cannot even touch him. Mm-hmm. You can't touch him. Like back in the day, you're able to get your hands all all on him. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. And, you, and you're able to get away with a whole lot more back then, right? That's why you can act like hand check. You can. But again, like when we're talking about physicality and athleticism, there are certain players that can dominate in any era. And then, like, the middle-of-the-road guys, they really can't, right? So, for example, like, Russell Westbrook, who would be able to stop a Russell Westbrook if he would play in the early 90s? Nobody. He's, like, even John Wall, uh, Kawhi Leonard, uh, the Greek freak, uh, Steph Curry. I mean, come on now. Like, you can go on and on and on. Like, somebody like a Paul George that can play both sides of the ball. And I don't like Paul George. And I'm giving him his props, <laughs> right? And 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 he can play both sides of the ball. Who will be able to stop a guy like that? He, he will be automatically, like, top 10 player in the league if he was playing in the early 90s. That's just the way that I feel. Yeah, but then again, they wouldn't get – they wouldn't let Russell Westbrook get, like, layups because Russell Westbrook does not know how to shoot, first of all. True. Um, his – he could only drive by people, and mm-hmm. yeah, like he will get past those guards. But those centers, like Lambeer or like Ewing or like Shaq, they'll like, oof, hurt him. Well, see the 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 fun thing about watching Russell Westbrook play is that he's going to not shy away from the competition, and he's going to let it be known that he's coming back again and again. And again and again. And I'm sorry, but for Shaq to keep up with a player like Russell Westbrook, impossible. Right? Like, he cannot play him one-on-one. And even when he comes down to the paint, I mean, he's like a ghost to to, to Shaq back then, to Ewing, to uh, David Robinson, whoever. And we've seen Russell Westbrook pretty much be the most athletic point guard ever, I would say. Even though he doesn't really play the one, I think he really plays the two. We could say that Russell Westbrook is probably the most athletic point guard that we've ever seen in, in the NBA. And he will yes. be able to mm-hmm. and he will be able to dominate in any 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 era, I would say, just because of his athleticism. True, true. You know, so well, I so next, so, so uh, I, and sorry to cut you off, but I think so much like that whole shooting thing, like Players back then, like point guards, they weren't really scorers. They were just more about like setting up the play, setting up the de- uh, setting up like the plays, and just passing the ball, right? Like you look at John Stockton, John Stockton to Malone. It was just that, right? It was like pick and roll, boom, pop, and get back on defense. So like the the evolution of the point guard now is shooting three point shot. Back then, it was a different kind of game. It was more like Set up the, the offense, get people in place, give it to the open man, and get back on defense. That's it. Russell Westbrook would have definitely changed the game 20 years ago, 30 years ago. True, true. Yeah. He has a different play style it, between those players. Very much so. 
True. Well, another thing that was different between my era and uh, the 90s era mm-hmm. and, like, 80s, mm-hmm. the media. Yeah. Wow. I'm so glad you the brought media. this topic up. Oh, my goodness. Thank you so much. I have so much to say about this topic, but go ahead. Um, so, actually, I want to talk about a post from Instagram. Mm-hmm. There was some soccer player. I forgot. What's his name? Uh, Sultan, I want to say. Yes, yeah, Satalan. Ibrahimovic. No. Yeah. No, his name was Zoltan. Or, yeah. Um, he said that athletes should not use their platforms mm-hmm. and their fame to talk about politics. And then mm-hmm. LeBron had to respond like, you know, we still have to talk about the racism that's going on. Because there's a lot going on in the world right now. And we cannot stay silent. Mm-hmm. Like, we have a voice to it, you know? Yeah. We should talk about it. We should have, you know, basically, like, access or, like, you know, freedom to talk about right. it. Right. Well, I mean, okay, so first and foremost, before I even lend my opinion to that, how do you feel about that comment? Well, it's pretty interesting. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think they're wrong, though, at all, because how can you stay silent to that? Mm-hmm. It's so, like, you know, big. Mm-hmm. And what's going on with the world, like, with covid mm-hmm you know, with um, the racism Mm -hmm, and all that. mm -hmm. It's like, how can you stay silent about that? It's like, we have a voice, basically what LeBron said. Absolutely. Um, I think that that view on the soccer player, Sultan, whoever his name is, whatever his name is, I think that he's a little outdated, right? Um, (laughs) And the reason why I say that he's a little outdated is because that's what has been told to athletes since they started voicing their opinion on issues that impact them and their communities, right? Some, we, yeah. we often forget that athletes come from the same neighborhoods that these kids that are looking up to them come from, right? Uh, LeBron James, he made the perfect example. I have 300 students in my school that look up to me that live that live exactly in the same neighborhood where I grew up, right? And they didn't have anybody, they didn't have an athlete that has the the, the platform to speak up for them. So that's why I do it in the way that I do it. And, you know, the athlete of today is not just an athlete. The athlete of today is a social activist. And the reason why I feel like athletes of today are social activists is because we idolize athletes so much. And we have athletes on such a high pedestal that whenever there's a crisis, whenever there's something going on, when I remember when that whole George Floyd situation happened, people were looking to athletes to make statements, right? So it speaks to who they are and the role that they play in society. And this is not just from five years ago. We're talking about Muhammad Ali. We're talking about Jackie Robinson. Uh, we're talking about Jim Brown. We're talking about Hank Aaron. We're talking about all these other guys that came way before the athletes of today, and they took those chances, right, to the point where Muhammad Ali even gave up. He, he was actually kicked out of boxing. He was suspended because he did not want to go into Vietnam War, right? And he sacrificed his career to make a statement against the government, 
and against drafting and going to the Vietnam War. So, you know, when we're looking at the statement in itself that, you know, athletes should not use their platform to talk about issues or politics or whatever the case may be, I think that the the, the soccer player, he's a little outdated in his point of view. Um, but if you caught the, 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 the end of that uh, interview with LeBron, you know, he pretty much said it. He was like, wasn't this the same guy that back in 2018 when he was playing in Sweden that he complained about the fans being racist, right? So it's sort of like a little uh, hypocritical of that player to, the soccer player to mention something about players not using their platforms to talk about issues that may affect them. But all in all, I think that um, the athlete of today is not just looked at as an athlete. We're looking at athletes as you know, people that can speak for the ones that do not have a voice. Um, they can speak for you and I, because, you know, I think that LeBron has a really, really good feel of what his followers and his people, not even, you don't even have to be a fan of LeBron, but I'm just talking about his people, like people of color are feeling in this country, right? Because I don't know if you remember, but back in like at the beginning of 2018 or 2019, somebody wrote on the fence, like the derogatory term, N-I-G-G-E-R, on the front of his fence. And LeBron was not excluded from being discriminated against just because he's LeBron James. Like we often forget that he's a human just like us and people are still going to see him the same way that we see him. That's us. But people outside of that arena will see him as just another African-American man another person of color in this country, right? So people, he's still going to be hated against, and it still happens by the media, by fans. Um, so it happens everywhere, but it is what it is. Yeah. It is what it is. I mean, it's not only LeBron mm-hmm. who's like talking about these statements. Mm-hmm. You also have Stephen Curry, mm. you know, talking about these, this, what's going on in the world, basically. Yes. And, like, you have all these other NBA players. And, once again, in my opinion, they should not stay silent at all. Absolutely. Like, Absolutely. And I'm so glad you bring up Steph Curry, right? Because I don't – I'm not a huge Steph Curry fan, but I respect Steph Curry because of what he means to the game, one, and two, what he does outside of the game, right? The reason why I root for LeBron so hard, obviously, to me, he's – the best basketball player of all time. There's a difference between being the best and the greatest, right? But he's the best basketball player of all time. And also what he does outside of basketball, to me, means a whole lot more than what he does inside of basketball. But Steph Curry, yeah. Steph Curry is somebody who does it the right way. And he does it not caring what anybody thinks about him. I think that that's what separates him away from a lot of other people, right? He's a religious man. He talks about inequality to anybody that wants to listen. Um, you know, he's a family man. He's been drafted by, he, he, he stood in the same team that drafted him. Um, you know, and he's, he's a little guy. He's what, six, two, if I'm not mistaken, six, three, maybe. Yeah. Like six, three. Yeah. So, you know, he's, in, in a lot of these fights, he's usually the underdog and you, you appreciate somebody like that, that goes up against anybody and is willing to give him his all. 
you appreciate yeah. somebody like that. So, you know, like I said before, he's not my cup of tea as far as a player is concerned, but as a person, he's definitely top, 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 top player. And it, yeah. And yeah, that shows to you that the modern day athletes handle the media very different today. Very much so. Because, you know, Michael Jordan, he wasn't even into politics mm-hmm. at all. And mm-hmm. you got LeBron, you know, talking about all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And Michael Jordan wouldn't, you know, do that. Absolutely. And, and and I think that that's what separates Jordan from LeBron. You know, like a lot of people just like to talk about what they do in the basketball court because that's what they're judged by. But I don't judge players by what they do in the basketball court. I also judge players by what they do outside of basketball. And the impact that LeBron has had in basketball, to me, is larger than the impact that Jordan has had in basketball. Yeah, and there's more access. Mm. I want to also talk about this yes. in the media. Mm-hmm. There's more access to like fans than back then because mm-hmm. now you can DM LeBron. Mm-hmm. And back in the day, in order to like have in order to get into contact with Michael Jordan, you have to write like a letter. Yep. So I think there's more access to these players and what they're you know like talking about and how and what their opinion is about this. And yeah, and you have to read off of newspapers in order to figure out what's going on and now we have Instagram, mm-hmm. Twitter that can tell us all all of that stuff. I think that what made LeBron the star, the world star that he is, the mega star that he is today is the evolution of social media. Right? Like if it wasn't for those phones and all these apps, um I think he just would have been another guy on the internet. But, like, the fact that pretty much everybody has a phone, everybody has Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, uh, Snapchat, and he has hundreds of millions of followers on each platform, that's what makes these guys so accessible, right? And their message is a valuable message. Um, So accessibility, because of these phones... um, it's, it's just another platform for them to use to get their message out. Yeah. I mean, another thing I want to talk about today, mm-hmm. the branding. Oh. You know, there's more brands nowadays. Mm-hmm. Like, you have Kobe, an author, and a film producer off the court. Yep. LeBron's an owner of a soccer team, and he has a school. Mm-hmm. And now, in my opinion, endorsements were difficult to get be- back in the day mm-hmm. because... Everybody depended on TVs and newspapers mm-hmm. to advertise. Mm-hmm. And today is like there's so many other ways to like promote a product. You, my friend, you did your homework. Let me just give you your props. <laughs> you, let me just give you your props because you really did your homework here. I, I, I like, okay. All right, I see. I see where you're going. All right, cool. And yes, branding is pretty much their first paycheck as crazy as it sounds right like they get paid more from branding like these top tier athletes get paid more from branding than their than their actual nba contract right they use their branding and and their name and their likeness to fund outside businesses right and you know as a little Mm -hmm. bit a little bit of my research today was about that Right. Um, back in 2008, 
LeBron James was a sort of like an angel investor in Beats by Dre. And Beats by Dre, you know, was bought out by Apple. So it was an undisclosed amount that LeBron invested at the beginning in 2008. But I just read a report that he was paid out $700 million from his investment. Um, because a lot of his equity was just because he lent his name to the brand. So if you noticed before, LeBron would be in a lot of Beats by Dre commercials. Um, he would be in shoot-arounds. He would go to press conferences in Beats by Dre. Um, he would have campaigns around Beats by Dre. Every single time that he it was Christmas time, he would give his whole team Beats by Dre headphones. So he made it cool for people to have Beats by Dre because he lent his name to it. And that's a perfect example of like using your brand and your likeness to promote a, a, a product, right? And, and he's been doing that. Not just talking about like the soccer team, but he left... Uh, I think I think he he stopped his partnership deal with McDonald's and I bought he bought um, a pizza chain. So he he went into a pizza chain company and he invested in it or Blaze Pizza or something like that. And oh, yeah, I mm -hmm, saw that video mm -hmm, before. Mm -hmm. And he pretty much because he lent his name to that company, they've grown to, I think, eight hundred million dollars in sales since his involvement with the company. So again, another, uh, another, I guess, feather in his cap to talk about like players using their branding. And it's not just LeBron James, right? We do not just want to make this LeBron James, but Kevin Durant, he yeah. has his own production company. Uh, 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 Steph Curry, he has his own production company. These guys are corporations. These are walking corporation these guys are worth billions of dollars yeah billions of dollars to people and the people that they employ then, oh, and the people that they employ behind that as well i mean they have like, they're a whole corporation really i mean but look at michael jordan mm -hmm. like how the heck does he still have the best sneaker brand jordan basically mm. That that's a very good point you make right and and i feel like the reason why he has the the best sneaker brand is because of what he was right back when he was playing and he's the greatest basketball player of all time he's considered the greatest winner of all time but it also has to do with marketing right we're talking about the strategies and 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 and, and urban uh, uh likeness it, it has to be all in one and you know, Jordan, whether we like it or not, he is still prominent as in he's still out here. He's still doing things. He's still an owner of a basketball team, you know? So he's still yeah. out here and you see his face and he's, you can reach him and he's, I mean, as far as businessman is concerned, you cannot measure what Jordan has been able to do after he retired. I'm talking about after designing golf courses with a team and uh, growing his sneaker company, sneaker company to restaurants, to real estate, to, I mean, buying, buying a basketball team. I mean, that's pretty much Jordan is everything 
you want to be as a player when you retire, pretty much. Right. To be able to own a basketball team outright, come on. I mean, but back then, they had to be the top player in order to get all of these endorsements. Mm-hmm. And now today, any NBA player can get, can have endorsements. Yes. Pretty much. I mean, it, as far as endorsements are concerned, the only two players that I can remember to have the endorsements that they had and still have, Jordan and Shaquille O'Neal from like the early, early 90s. Then Kobe came along. And Kobe took over. Kobe, Kobe's another one. Kobe's another one that on the low, on yeah. the low, on the low, on the low, he had a lot of like business, like acumen that he really implanted his name and he gave his name to a lot of different businesses. Like for example, um, I'm not too sure if it's Body Armor, the drink. Uh, yeah, I think right? he it, does was a, own it, that. Yeah, so he bought into Body Armor. And at the time, God bless him and everybody that passed away, uh, his impact and his stake in body armor was about $200 million. Again, by him lending his name, lending his likeness, his brand um, to the product, he was able to build it up to the point where it's now known all over the place, right? It's, it's, it's a beverage that was sold, if I'm not mistaken, to Pepsi or Coca-Cola. And his equity in it equaled to like $200 million after it was all said and done. What about the sensitivity now? And uh, this also has sort of to do with the media and about the mean comments. So the sensitivity, like on the court, you have all the, well, we already talked mm-hmm. about this, all this flopping and crying to mm-hmm. the refs. Off the court, you got players requesting a trade because they're not happy. Mm-hmm. Like, what's that about? Because I doubt Michael Jordan was acting like a little baby, complaining to the refs, like, oh, that's not a foul, or oh, why you call that on me, or... <laughs> You know, that's that's well, LeBron's crying, but, becoming another. But, but but why? But why we gotta always turn this about LeBron? I think, like I said before, right? Like well, we talking about like flopping. I think that's just the NBA and and where the NBA is at, right? Um, I don't want to sit here and say that the NBA hasn't gotten soft. It definitely has. Um, and and yes, and, and and in <laughs> large part. I think that there was a turning point in the NBA when uh, the Malice and the Palace, um, you know, Ron Artest and the Detroit Pistons. Um, Ooh, yeah. yeah. So, you know, after that, it was kind of sort of like an unwritten rule. Tighten the leash. On yeah, that's when they exactly, started to, you know. Exactly. And the NBA changed forever after that, right? But, you know, yeah. like it's on camera where Jordan would talk to the refs and the refs would change the call just because it was Jordan. So <laughs> let's not, let's not yeah. kid ourselves here. Like Jordan did it too, but it's the fact that everybody sees that LeBron does it because everybody has a cell phone. Everybody has access to social media. LeBron, LeBron exactly. is Mike at 24 seven. I don't know if you saw the little uh, interaction that LeBron had with a fan the other day when in Atlanta, Right when 
there was a fan that and and his wife they were thrown out of a game because they were saying some crazy things to LeBron and LeBron was like I didn't start it was him but LeBron was mic'd the whole time I'm not too sure if the same thing would have happened 25 30 years ago right but again but again we see the prevalence we see how many athletes are just crying well specifically in basketball we see how many players (laughs) we see how many players are like crying for calls um they're trying to get the advantage but yes i do believe that the nba is overly sensitive from the refs to the athletes because it's not just the athletes but i just also think that it's also the refs that has gotten overly sensitive i don't know if you saw jj reddick like literally bounce a ball to a ref uh maybe two three days ago and he was and oh, he was yeah. for a technical because mm-hmm. he didn't he didn't like, like the way he why? spun like, it he like he didn't like the way he spun the basketball to him and I was like wait a minute that's a technical foul how is that a technical foul um and we've seen like a lot of ejections I mean you know I'm sorry but you know Draymond Green he does deserve some of those ejections but some of the other ejections that he gets yeah, yeah. I'm like wait a minute hold on a second come on Yelling at his teammate—that's yeah, an ejection. Yeah, now, like on, what? Come on, come on. Like that's that's, that's a little that's rest. a little that's... over the top. So you know when we're talking about like sensitivity, I, I don't think it's only the players. I think it's also the refs, the media. Um, you know if if Russell Westbrook decides to say next question, oh he's a bad guy. Yeah, uh, he may not be in the mood um to answer questions. Kyrie Irving, he's he's a prime example. The way that the media paints him out to be this bad guy you know he's been very very transparent about his um battles with mental health and mental health being a real thing for him and the media doesn't care the media just piles it on him right and the media just keeps going after him again i don't think that is just the players i think it's the refs i think it's the media i think it's just the, the 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 state of basketball as a whole that and yeah and and think about the coaches Mm -hmm. too like the coaches had more power back in the day like for example if a coach does not get along with a player now they could possibly get fired but back in the day the coaches were like oh you have an attitude with me i want to trade Mm -hmm. And, and then very true but then it also speaks to okay, just because you're my coach, you don't have a right to be wrong either. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, some coaches think that they're above being corrected. And, you know, I'm a man, you're a man. I show you respect, you respect me. Just because of your position doesn't mean that you can talk down on me. And just because I'm a player doesn't mean that I get to talk down on you. The best kind of relationships are usually the ones where mutual respect is being shown all the time. Um... Yes, there are players that make it known that they are above reproach or whatever the case may be. But then there are also other coaches that have made it their business to alienate players and trade players on purpose because they didn't like them. And this is on record. So again, players have been traded because the coach did not like them, point blank. Sure. Final thoughts on sensitivity. Mm-hmm. Why do you think Kevin Durant had a fake Twitter account? Speaking of sensitivity. <sighs> Why do I 
think that that just speaks to him as a person. Um, I don't think that Kobe would ever have a burner account. I think Kobe would tell somebody exactly how he's feeling if they're criticizing him. Like, he didn't have a problem. The same thing with Jordan. Um, But I think that players now are a whole lot more calculating with how their message is being thrown out there, right? Um, I think it also speaks to the fact that these players are corporations. And if, if Kevin Durant comes out and he curses out a fan just because the fan got on his nerve, he would take a, a, a hit, right? Like, everybody would criticize him just because, you know, the, oh, these athletes, they're supposed to be above everything. They're supposed to be uh, mild-mannered. They're supposed to be respectful. But at the same time, you know, these athletes are human, and they have feelings. And at one point in time, people will get on their nerves, and they can be upset, and they can get upset, just like you and I, Right. Like when somebody is bothering us, yep. we tell them back off. And imagine having, let's say Kevin Durant has 70 million followers on Twitter, right? Let's just say that. Imagine out of those yeah. 70 million, mm-hmm. imagine what was happening to him when he decided to go to the Golden State and how many people were saying, oh, you soft, you took the easy way out. Oh my God, I can't believe yeah. that. That's in the millions. So... Um, I don't know what 28, 27 year old is built to deal with that level of scrutiny, right? So, you know, when it comes to like him having that burner account, I think he just did it just so like that he can let off some of that steam and just be able to be like, you know what? Screw you, man. Like I'm the best basketball player in the world. And that's what he's supposed to think as a basketball player, as a competitor, yeah. I made this decision because I wanted to do it. You know what I'm saying? So um, I don't think it's just so much about sensitivity. I think it's just him not being able to really say what he, what is on his mind because of how yeah. much it impacts his business. Yeah. And we kind of hit... All right, so we kind of hit on mm-hmm. it earlier, but the last topic on this subject... Let's talk about social responsibility. Mm. Mm. So yes, I've seen yes, videos yes. of Muhammad mm-hmm. Ali and how he was involved mm-hmm. in politics, right? But when I look at Michael Jordan, he wasn't really involved in anything outside of right. basketball. Fast forward to today, and it feels like every player has to make a statement about what's going mm-hmm. on in the world. So what exactly is the social responsibility of the modern-day athlete? Wow, that's an amazing question. That's a question that I can go on for like about hours about. But I think that the responsibility of the modern athlete is to be honest. You know, I think it's just to be honest about what's going on. Um, If you are an athlete that grew up in a community that depended on all these government handouts and and, 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 and assistance from the government, you're going to have a special kind of point of view when it comes to what the old um, presidency would say about people of color and being able to get these programs out. Um, and 
and at times I feel like athletes sometimes can be so far removed from what is going on in their old communities because, you know, they've, they are rich. They are, and they live in this bubble. And to me, the athletes that sacrifice the most are the athletes that are the best at what they do. And I think it's a calculated risk, right? Um, Colin Kaepernick um, is a prime example. Colin Kaepernick uh, took the 49ers to the Super Bowl. He was within a touchdown, maybe, of winning the Super Bowl. Um, Somebody who pretty much, besides Michael Vick, um, revolutionized the game of football, right? Because he was a run-first quarterback, and he really, really made it happen for a lot of these quarterbacks that are that are now, right? Um, but he sacrificed a lot. Like Colin Kaepernick sacrificed an awful lot. Um and but football, you see where football you 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 take those risks, but because, you know, football is about the shield and not the players, in my estimation, in my opinion, you see what happened to Colin Kaepernick in basketball it's player empowerment. Players have the voice. Players control the league. In basketball, players feel like they are, they have a responsibility to speak up because so many people look up to them. And that's why I feel like they're probably the best friend league in all of sports because of that, right? They have a voice, they have an opinion, and they're able to get it out without being controlled by anyone or scrutinized or at least by the league. The fans, that's a different story. But, right. Exactly. So what, when it comes to, you know, the the responsibility of, of, of players today, I think that players today have a responsibility to just be honest, right? Because I think through, through honesty and, to communi- and through communication, players are able to speak about what is really happening in their community or the community that they came from. Because I doubted that LeBron still lives in Akron. I doubted that LeBron still lives in a project building in Akron, Ohio, where he grew up at, right? Uh, but he he came from that. So he speaks to that. And that's the statement that he made earlier this week. I came exactly from where my students are at right now. So I have to speak up for them, right? So it's about, again, being yeah. honest and um, speaking up for the people that don't have a voice. So when it comes to like the responsibility of the modern day athlete, I think that that's where their responsibility lies, right? Obviously, I do not expect and uh, somebody who came from, I don't know, Louisiana to speak about what is happening in a black community in Akron, Ohio, right? And I'm not just talking about Louisiana in New Orleans, I'm talking about Louisiana in the suburbs of Louisiana or or Mississippi, wherever. I don't expect for somebody to come out of that and say, oh, well, this is what these people are feeling like. But at the same time, you know, there is something called empathy. And that is something that is not really practiced a lot by other players. So, you know, honesty is, I think, that where everything lies right now. All right. Well, that was so awesome. Very educational. Let's take a little breather before the next part I want to get into.
to be honest with you, this has been a great conversation. About to get into the hot kitchen here. All right, now it's time for a little fun. Let's talk about the king, (laughs) the chosen one. Just so my fans know, I'll say that was a diehard LeBron fan. But we won't no, hold that against no, no, him, no. so... Hey, listen, listen. I'm, <laughs> you you can ask. I'm a diehard LeBron, LeBron fan, but I am very, very fair when it comes to criticizing him. And I can speak... I, I, I give him his props, but I also be like, eh, he maybe could have done that a little bit different. I do that. I do that. So I'm very, like, I'm 50-50. If he's doing wrong, I'll tell him what he's doing wrong. If he's great, then obviously you know I'm going to cape for him. So, you know. Well, so far, so far for the record, let me just confirm. Do you consider LeBron James the perfect example of a modern-day athlete? The perfect example, no. Um, no. No? I, I don't consider him the perfect. I don't. I don't. No. And I think that you're going to be I, – I, 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 got, I got you with that one, right? Because I knew you was going to come with it. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, you see, do. I knew he was that question, but I don't consider any athlete today the perfect example of an athlete. Nobody. Nobody? And you know why I say that? It's because Whoa. the reason why I say that is because everybody nitpicks at everything athletes do, right? And to me, to me, the last example of a perfect athlete was. Derek Jeter. Well, what does a modern day athlete like well, mean to you? The modern day athlete, something who who is supposed to be perfect, somebody who is respected by everyone as the best in the league, which LeBron is really doesn't get those props. Somebody who does amazing inside the court and does even more outside of the court, which LeBron does, right? And somebody who has tremendous business um, uh, platform, which he does. But to me, I really feel like because he is not regarded as the best athlete in his sport, I can't consider him the perfect athlete right now. Because he's not. Like, he he gets criticized an awful lot. Do I want to say that he's a perfect athlete? Yes. But do I really am 100% am I willing to put my last $20 on that? No. I think the last example of like a perfect <laughs> athlete to me was Derek Jeter and that was because nobody um, criticized him even if you played against the Yankees or even if you was a, a fan of like the Boston Red Sox, they knew Derek Jeter was the captain of the Yankees and everybody respected that, right? Um, he won You'd never heard about, like, off-the-field scandals. You never heard about um, him changing teams, uh, which to me is a little unfair that LeBron still gets criticized for that when he was, like, 26 years old, right? Like, the fact that we're still holding that over his head. When he was just 26 years old, I wouldn't know what I would do with that when I was 20, when I was 20. When I was 36, honestly, right? Um, mm-hmm. But I'm just saying, well, I'm just saying, I'm just saying people still hold that over him when he was like 26 yeah. years old. Um, and, and he had literally like a billion dollars right behind him. So the pressure of that, but 
we're not we're not gonna get into true, that. We're true. not gonna get into that. But again, but again, but again, mm-hmm. to me, the last example of a perfect athlete was Derek Jeter. And the reason why I say that is because we don't know what Derek Jeter did outside of baseball because we it was it was not accessible to us. Right? Like Instagram was not around like that. Um, Twitter was not around. Exactly. Facebook, when Jeter was on the come up, well, or, nothing was there. It was just like we got what we saw on TV and that's it. Well, all right. Uh, so oh, brace boy. yourself, I see, though. Let's do some rapid <sighs> fire. Do you know how tall uh, LeBron James Well, is? you see, that's funny because LeBron has been uh, measured at 6'10, 6'9, 6'8, but I will stick with 6'8. Because that's what I've heard the most. You know, you see? Yeah, you go. Six, so, nine, you know. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> Do you know uh, how much six? he weighs? Oh, well, no, no, no. Hold on one second. Before you even say no, he he has gone up and down. In in Miami, in, my, okay, in Miami, he was 245. Right and the reason why he was 245 was because he thought he needed to get faster. When he was in Cleveland, he was like around 260 because he was getting beat down by the big bad Boston, right? The the big three in Boston and, and Detroit. Right, but I think right. right now he's at like 255, 260 in that range. I'm not too sure. Well, mm-hmm. third and final. Do you think LeBron has a body of like a football player? I think player? he has a body of a tight end. Or I, I, I think he has a oh, body of a, a tight, tight end. end. Or like um, DK Metcalf. I can compare DK Metcalf and LeBron together, I think that that's the comparison right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So riddle me this. How is it that a six foot nine, 250 pound, a body that is like built like DK Metcalf flopping? How is he? Why? Is, what? Like flopping? Are you serious, dude? It goes to how the NBA is called now, right? Like if you breathe on the player, they'll call it. If you touch a player, they'll call it. And then the other thing, too, is even if you don't touch a player, they still call it. Okay. So I think it's, it also has to do with the fact of how the NBA is being called. Like, he's going to try to get the advantage. Um, whether it's my cup of tea, it's not. Um, I do not like his crying. I do not like him arguing to the refs when well, uh... he goes up for a layup and he feels like he gets fouled and they don't call it. And he literally stays back there for like five seconds. He doesn't get back on defense. I'm like, what are you doing, dude? It's four on five and they score on the other end. Me personally, I get upset when that happens. So um, I, I don't like it. I do not like it at all. So um, that's one of the things that I wish LeBron could just let go of because I feel like he would be a whole lot better off on the defensive end if he would just get up, sprint, and get back on defense. Um, so look, look, yeah, I mean, and nobody exactly, with a body exactly. like that should be flopping, exactly. And I and, like, and I and, what, and I agree, why? it's like, true. Nobody with a body like that should be flopping because he's the most durable player in the NBA, he is probably the best maintained player in the NBA. Um, and I think that he can control his body well enough that he can get away with pretty much anything in the NBA, whether. That means going up for a layup and he can score exactly. pretty much whenever he wants. But, you know, that's neither here or there. But as far as flopping is concerned and trying to get calls, I want him to get back on defense and play. 
That's pretty much me. That's me. As a LeBron super fan. Well, then again, like, that's why it's like, what's the point of having all this athletic, all this speed and all this power when, like, they barely even get touched? And then they're flopping when they're not even, like, a finger just get laid, like, a finger is laid down on them and then they just fall on the floor. Like, come on. Like, guys, we're stronger. We're more, pop- like, yeah, get advantage but, you know, of it. You also have to understand. You you, you also like have to understand here. that you know just because LeBron is is strong and he's fast doesn't mean that everybody is just like a little a snail either. Like everybody is just not just as strong, but everybody is fast in the NBA. I think the the twelfth man in the NBA is more athletic than Magic Johnson back in the late eighties, right? And Magic Johnson used to kill in the late eighties, right? More athletic than Larry Bird, and Larry Bird is probably top 10 player of all time. But again, you know, I think that the NBA has adapted to this culture of like overly sensitive, um, just I will bang on a whistle for even looking at me the wrong way. So I think it's just the whole ecosystem of the NBA where like fans get involved, they throw the fans out. Before if you if you will come to Madison exactly. Square Garden, I mean, it will be crazy. It'll be cr- exactly, it'll be and crowded. I imagine <laughs> what these drunk guys like on the fifth, sixth row would yell at your <laughs> Jordan. I don't think any of the, any of them would get ejected from the game, right? Because that was just a part of the game. So I think it's just the exactly. I think and it's like just takes, the whole yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Take Spike exactly. Lee and like Spike Lee and Reggie Miller, there were Spike Lee and Scottie Pippen, Spike mm-hmm. Lee and, and Jordan, right? Spike exactly. Lee used to talk trash to any, every, exactly. every single superstar, but he wouldn't like, since technically mm-hmm. he's not part of the game, what, exactly. what's the point of so, doing anything to him? Unless he like, you know, cursed him. I'm pretty sure he even cursed at him. I'm pretty sure he even cursed at him. But it's just like the whole ecosystem of the NBA has gotten a little too sensitive for like people that were watching NBA in the early 90s. Like I grew up watching basketball like from 93, 94 and on. So like I'm not too far removed from watching Jordan kill the Knicks and watching Jordan win like their second three-peat. I'm not far removed from that. Like I saw that happening in real time, whether I was paying attention to it the way that I'm paying attention to basketball now, no, but at the same time, I remember it. And I remember the league before the Pacers in Detroit, and that happened, right? So I remember the league after that. Let's talk about the decision. Do you think LeBron James regrets that decision to Um, go into Miami Heat? I don't think he regrets it. I think he regrets the way he did it. Um, I, I don't think that he necessarily regrets the learning he the, the all the learning and all the 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 acquisition of information that he did while he was in Miami, right? Because it showed him how to win and how to lead, and because of his man Dwayne Wade flash. Um, but I think that he regrets the way he did it. Um, I know that the decision was his idea, and but it was his idea in a vacuum where he had other people in his corner that were telling him, maybe we should do this, we should do that. And again, as a 26-year-old, 
you're going to be guided by people that are older, right? So a little bit of background information because I knew that this question was going to come up. Leon Rose was his agent back in back when he made the decision to go to um to the heat. Well, I mean, but why would he why would he why would he even bring Bosch then? Cuz it would have been perfectly fine LeBron and Wade. I think Wade's main plan was just to get LeBron and then LeBron just decided to be like, "Let me just ruin the NBA." And let me get this guy who's scoring 20 and 10. But I don't think he ruined the NBA because he lost to the Mavericks. So, and and he lost. Yeah, but he won like two other championships. We we know that they should have won at least five, six rings in a row with that team, right? So he really didn't, he he ruined the NBA from the standpoint that he made it okay for players to make their own decisions and literally change the world of basketball forever. Like, we give him that. But at the same time, I don't think he really ruined the NBA because teams still beat him. And in that first year, the Dallas Mavericks, the Dallas Mavericks beat him with a team of Dwayne, uh, Dirk, Dirk Nowitzki and a bunch of role players. So that right there, that right there told me Pretty much. that that formula was not right. And that formula is still not right today right well the mavericks also had a jason terry so no 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 come on let's let's be honest let's be honest you you can't compare a jason terry and like a Dwayne Wade, or or you can't compare jason terry okay yeah true so my point exactly but but my point exactly exactly, but that's what i'm saying that's why i feel like you know it's it's a it's 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 worse on the miami heat when they lost and better on the league when dallas mavericks when the dallas mavericks won Right, yeah. and the reason why I say that is because even when this super team came together, they still lost, and they lost against San Antonio, right? So two, oh, they only won two. Yeah, they only won two oh, out yeah, of four. They, they should have won. They should have won four in a row. They should have won five, six in a row. When LeBron went up on stage and he said, "Not two, not three, I was like, "What are you doing?" Again, he is showing. He is showing. Yes, he is putting showing, pressure on himself. He is though. showing his That's age. On him. Right? He is showing his age, and at 26, he made that decision to change the world of basketball. Again, at 26, exactly. to have that pressure and say, oh, "I've decided to take my talents." Yeah, oh, we're yeah, gonna yeah, have yeah, three. Yeah. We're and gonna guess have four. What? Guess what? That is something that he, the way that he did it, he regrets it. Not the fact that he did go through with it. I don't think he regrets that. I just think that he regrets the way that he did it. And he's not on record to say that he regrets the way he did it. Um, one thing that I will take away from the way that he did it was that he donated, I think, $2.3 million to uh, the Boys and Girls Club, uh, where uh, the facility where he actually held that event. So there's a little thing that you can take away from, you know, from all of that, which was the fact that they probably benefited a lot from that decision. But in the world of sports and NBA, he looked really, really bad. Really, really bad. Oof. 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 Yeah. Well, last two questions since I really mm-hmm. want to talk more about this. Why do you think, Le- one, why do you think LeBron James is so sensitive when he is criticized? I think that all players are sensitive when they're criticized. Um, again, I think it goes to how accessible we are to these athletes now, right? Um, we saw, mm-hmm. 
we, we saw the Jordan documentary, right? And the Bulls, The Last Dance. We saw that. And we saw how enraged Jordan got when they compared an athlete to him. When they said, oh, uh, they really thought that Karl Malone was going to win MVP over me, or they, they gave MVP of this, of 95 or 96 or something like that to Karl Malone. Oh, I'm going to show him, right? Whether we, uh, yeah, but Dedication it's the way right that we frame it, right? Like some, some players may, some people may mm-hmm. look at that as being determined and other people, exactly. So exact, like and then, and and then other like people may look at that as much. being sensitive. Like, I can care less if you got MVP trophy. I don't care. Like, I know that I'm going to win the trophy. But then, mm-hmm. you know, when it comes to LeBron, everybody will say, well, he's overly sensitive. But that's also because of how many people are saying that he's overly sensitive, how many people are actually seeing this play out in real time. That's why, like, you know, the the idea of, like, social media and having all these platforms comes with a gift and a curse. It, it, it goes well for their brand, but at the same time, you have a lot of people that have, that make a career out of pointing out everything negative that LeBron does. Skip Bayless is one. You know Skip Bayless, of course you do. Skip Bayless, Skip Bayless, yeah, of course, of course. Said he will say one good thing mm-hmm. about LeBron, and he will follow it with twenty negative things to say about LeBron, and that's okay, and that's okay because guess what? The crown is heavy. The crown is heavy, but he can only wear it. My producer Perfect. is saying we're running out of time, so let me just awesome. hit you with this last question. All right, final question. Do you think when LeBron retires, he'll be the greatest player of Um, In my honest opinion, and everybody knows that I'm a huge, huge LeBron fan, I don't think that LeBron will ever get re- be regarded as the greatest basketball player of all time. I don't think so. And the reason why Ooh. I say that is because he has more losses than wins. And the ghost that he's chasing, which is Michael Jordan has no losses whatsoever. So right then and there, that ends the debate. But if he wins seven, hmm, people are going to still, that will be very interesting. That'll be so interesting. that's all I got to say about that. All right. Thank you, Alcedo, for joining us on Thank this you. great discussion. You know, this whole <laughs> education that you've taught me. Thank and you, man. You it, it was a pleasure. Thank you for